0: Hi, everybody. I'm Cynthia Barnes, host of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes, where we interview the best of the best unstoppable women I know. And today I have the pleasure of hosting Gabrielle Blackwell, otherwise known as GB. How you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you, Cynthia? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've been following you for a while and I keep thinking, you know what? You're a firecracker. You are a little firecracker, and I'm just thinking, you know what? She's got to be on the show. Got to be on the show. So I want to know, well, first of all, I know that you work for Gong, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. How did you get to that position?
1: Ooh, it was right around this time last year, and I was reflecting on just my work experience in general. And I was thinking about like, where did I want to be in my career? And there was this recognition that like, I'm not there. (laughs) Like, and I don't feel like I'm putting myself in the best position to get to where I want to be. So I joined Revenue Collective, I started networking, I started answering like, questions within that network. And people are like, wow, this is really valuable what you're sharing. And so the more that I kind of built up that confidence in my voice, the more I was like, hey, I'm going to start posting on LinkedIn. I'm going to bring these conversations that I'm having in these small sales communities to like a wider audience. And so as I started doing that, what happening was the hiring manager at Gong saw me in their feed and was like, hey, I really like your content. I've been following you for a while. I'd love to have you join into the candidate journey for an SDR manager position. So that's really how it happened. I was like, all right. Yeah, let's go. So very much posting on LinkedIn, like raising my profile.
0: That is what Mary Kay used to refer to as attract, not attack, because we can go out and we can apply for jobs and we can network and we can ask, ask, ask. And you and I both know a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So we've got to ask. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So what I love about what you did was you raised your profile so that you didn't have to chase and you knew that if you posted the right things that the right opportunities would be attracted to you i love that
1: i didn't i didn't even have that much of a conscious thought about it like that was like (laughs) i really did that was a, a product for but for me it really started off with I guess in the end, it, it it accomplished the mission. I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm not as far along in my career as I want to be. I'm not working mm-hmm. at the companies that I want to work at. And I, I was just looking at what folks who are in the positions that I wanted to grow into, like, what were they doing? I'm like, okay, they're posting on LinkedIn. They're a part of the sales community, specifically Rev Collective. They have a network. And I was like, all right, well, first thing I can do is I can I'm a, I can go to Revenue Collective, <laughs> and i can start networking my butt off right so like that was that was really the intention of course there's a vision of like all right eventually i'm going to get myself to where where i want to be but i never even thought about like posting on linkedin until i got into revenue collective was talking to folks and they're like wow what you have to share is is really valuable and we want to hear you talk more and i was like okay well time for me to stop being small on linkedin let me bring the conversation over here and see what happens. So that was just more like, all right, I, I want to challenge myself on the LinkedIn front. But initially it's just more like, all right, I need to build my network. The end.
0: Yes. Yes. They do say that your network equals your net worth.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when people are like, you know, it's, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And when I first started in sales, I was like, nah, mm-mm. like I was like, it's all about what I know because I didn't, yeah, that's where I was. That's where I was six years ago. But in the past year, I'm starting to recognize like, oh, wow, no, that phrase carries some weight Legitimate, yes,
0: It does. It does. So since you've been in your current role, what other opportunities have you seen open up for you with your current, I guess, plan of attack?
1: There have been a few things. Like I, I was hosting a show called SDR Hotline on LinkedIn Live through Sales Hacker. So I was doing that for about five or six months. So there's been a lot of like personal branding, being able to like open up the door to have more conversations, I would say. There's podcasts, there's webinars, there's... In the latest venture, really alongside a friend, co-host, co-founder, Alexine Mudawar, we opened up the Women in Sales Club. So it's a conversation on Clubhouse every Saturday at 2 p.m., very much focused on like empowering, enabling women in sales, right? And also trying to get more women into leadership too. So very much an open community to men and women. We value everybody's voice that's there. We believe that everybody's going to be a part of the change that'll allow more women to be like, be successful in sales and get promoted in sales leadership as well. So like that's, I think one through networking, right? Like it's like, all right, I'm tuned into these networks. Through the podcast, there was a guy named, um, Marcus Couchy, who's out in the UK, and he's like, you should talk to Alexine. And funny enough, Alexine only lives about 30 minutes away from me. So like, that's like, it's like networking, podcast branding, but also having a really big opportunity to make an impact in the things that I really care about personally, and professionally, too. So those have been the things that have really opened up to me. And along the way, I get to make even more meaningful connections,
0: too. That's awesome. So you're based in Chicago.. Mm-hmm. How do you like it?
1: I mean, I'm from here, so I like it a lot. <laughs> I've lived in other places and I, I come yeah, I came back home a couple of years ago. I was like, I really like the people, I like the culture, you know. I have more of an appreciation for it now as an adult than I probably did when I was younger. but yeah,
0: yes, yes. Chicago's a great city. So coming out of the pandemic and you talked a lot about networking, how have you maintained your relationships with your clients?
1: Ooh, so interesting because, so my role, I'm, I'm managing a sales development team, but yeah, managing SDR. So when I think about like my clients, the first people that I think about are the people who are on my team. Yes, so, internal
0: customers. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, so those, yeah, those are my peeps. Those, like, that's, that's who I have to keep satisfied and keep happy. Right. So I'll be honest, it's been challenging managing remote. And so mm-hmm. like, I'm in Chicago, the majority of my team is out in San Francisco, I actually got a chance to meet the majority of them a couple months ago, because I went out to San Francisco, we had dinner. And I, I think there was these moments of like, wow, this is really cool. Like I get to see people coming together, there's a chemistry that's there, there's a kind of a team energy that we don't really get to realize when we're always behind the screen. And then I think there's also the piece of this past year has been really, really difficult personally. Mm-hmm. And professionally and health wise, right. And then emotionally as well. So to be like, to be a manager, especially for folks who are earlier on in their careers, or maybe just making a transition into sales, like it, it requires, I feel like a different approach to management. It's like, I have to mm-hmm. be like that much more attuned, that much more active. Yes. Like I will schedule, send like motivational quotes at the beginning of the day to send to my team, like checking in on them. So it's like, for me, it's forced me or required me to not take these little interactions, nuanced interactions for granted, but to be incredibly like that much more intentional about how I'm engaging with my reps, checking in on them, seeing how they're doing, mm-hmm. being that much more accessible as well. Yes. So those have been like some of the the changes. It's more so a change in the, in the mindset and the awareness than it is anything
0: else. Let me ask you this. What percentage would you say if your team is female?
1: Oh, I have, okay. So I have a team of five right now. It's going to be growing, but four out of the five on my team are women. And then, yeah. So earlier in the year I had a team of 10. We had some, some people like exit out, but yeah. So at the beginning of the year I had at 10, eight were women, two were men.
0: Okay. Do you find any differences in coaching and managing men versus women?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. I don't know why. I th- I didn't even know this question was going to pop up today, but I was thinking about this yesterday. And really what brought it up was I so the the one guy on my team right now, Phil, in the past couple of weeks We've been able to, I feel like, build an even like closer connection. While that might come more naturally or more organically with the women on the team, so okay. with Bill, it's much more about okay, like what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? And maybe I, had a, I sent I sent him a gift. Like they, that's really what started it off. It was like I sent them sent him this metronome so he's a fast talker he was interviewing for an ae position and he's like i need to slow down except this metronome was super duper loud he's like gb i can't use this metronome during my interviews <laughs> so like we i think we like we it's i think for him it's like i feel like i i hope that feels not he's he's not representative of every single man right but like what mm-hmm. i recognized with this person was all right, like it might take it might take like a little bit additional to make that connection, right? While with the women on my team it might come more easily for me. I also started off in sales on an all women sales team. So like like that's like that to me has been a little bit of the difference is like, all right, hey, like well, I have to I have to really think about how do I build a connection with this person? How do I really build a relationship because with women it might come more naturally to me. So like that's really what I'm thinking for him. But that being said, but I think about like, what are the things that people really want to do that they want to be really good at their job and they want to prepare themselves to be really good at the next job. And so like, that to me is the consistent piece of like, all right, Hey, like I'm going to work with you on like these skills, these pieces of information, the coaching might look the same, but like what it took to build a, a trusting relationship might look a little bit different though.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So you are wildly successful. Thank you. You're welcome. What experience, if you could mention one experience from your childhood that had the greatest impact on the woman that you are now, what would that be?
1: That's a tough, that's a doozy of a question, Cynthia. (laughs) If there was, I I think there is one experience that I have that I continue to explore because I, I, yeah, it's one experience I continue to explore. So I'm the daughter of a single mom. My, there was a period where I saw my dad from the time I was like two to four years old and then he disappeared for like six years. So like thinking about, and so he came back when I, or came back around when I was around like nine or 10 years old, I sent him a letter. Like basically I was like heartbroken. Like I remember drawing broken hearts and I found his address because he would send me birthday cards during the time that he was gone. Um, and it was from a PO box address. So I remember like, finding an old letter or an envelope because I would keep those things. Like, yeah, I'd keep all those things like a hoarder. And I remember sending him a letter and remember him coming back. And and he, number one, wasn't the man that I imagined him to be. Like he was somebody who was very condescending, very patronizing, very much like, hey, like you have to be a certain way, Gabrielle. And so I, when he came back for me at nine, 10 years old, I just kind of fell into it. I was like, okay, well, you know better than me you're right. You know, like an Ember being really, really doubtful, very, very insecure, probably fell into a depression for like years from that experience. And so I think one of the things that I remember after that was I have to prove that I'm worthy enough. I have to be the best at whatever I'm doing. I have to be the best at sports. I have to do really well in school. Like I have to leave zero margin for. Or like, z- like zero chance that someone can go, oh, hey, you're not good enough. Or hey, like, here's this thing that you did. And that's the reason why I'm not showing you love, mm-hmm. right? So I think like that was an experience that really drove me. Because I was like, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to belong. I wanted to be loved. And so when I think about when I first started off in sales, and granted, I've done a lot of self-work, <laughs> especially in these past few years of recognizing like, hey, like that can be enough to get me to where I-, I needed to be in the past. But at a certain point in time, I have to say to myself, you're good. You're great even, right? Like you're going to grow, you're going to learn, you're going to progress. But when I first started, I, I feel like I still was in that mindset of, I have to leave zero room for anyone to doubt me. None. Right. And so like, and so I did the work required in order to do that. Like I put in the extra hours, I sought out the mentorship. I I wasn't networking in the same way that I was doing now, but I was finding the resources that I needed to be really, really successful, like early on. It got to a point in time where I'm like, that mentality definitely caused a lot of burnout. So I had to learn something that's more sustainable. But like that really was the one thing from childhood. Probably like my dad exiting, coming back, being very like patronizing, condescending. <laughs> right. Like I was like, Yeah, you don't realize I like, uh, my mom's a single mom. You can't can't treat me like I'm less than because I'm a woman or I'm a girl or I'm not. I'm not like right your wife's children right so like that was something that really really drove me and I think is something that has informed the way that I work
0: do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing
1: I'm going to not put judgment to it and hold space for it (laughs) like that's it's the experience that I had it it was a hard one to have I definitely had a lot of resent there was like the piece of like there's a lot of resentment that I held but I feel like that resentment at a certain point in time, just kind of like, festered within me, like, like all right, like, this is not healthy for me to hold on to. And then I think there came the part of, okay, just because my dad did these things, or my dad said these things, or my dad believes these things doesn't mean that I have to. So like, what would it be like for me just to see myself as worthy and acceptable and loved, not even lovable, but just loved? Like, what would happen? And so I started to really embody that mindset, that belief set, adopt that belief set. And then within my work, I go, okay, like if I'm not hitting the goals that I need to hit, it's not a matter of, oh, there's something wrong with me. It's a, hey, this is an opportunity to learn. This is an opportunity to progress. And so I think like that to me is a much more sustainable way of working. I don't know if it's good or bad, but for me, I'm like, all right, I feel rested. I feel healthy. I feel as though I have so much potential, so much room to grow. Like I feel a lot more relieved. I don't have as much pressure on me. So more than anything else, I'm just like appreciative of the lessons that I've learned and being able to get to this place today.
0: It sounds like, as they say, you've taken lemons and made it limoncello. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I'm so happy to hear that you took the challenges and opportunities and you, created something that serves you very well in who you are. That's the whole goal is because we have childhood. It may not be the best childhood. There's adversity. There are challenges. You can either let them sink you or you can use them to propel you. And that's exactly what you did.
1: Yeah. I think there's this piece of like, there's some phrases that I've heard of like, hey, like what, what got you to a point isn't what's going to keep you at that next point. Right, like right. all right, like what got me here isn't enough to keep me here. So like cool I I got to this checkpoint. now I gotta upskill. Now I gotta yeah. go and develop more. Now I need to go and build out a network or maybe I need to let some stuff go. Mm-hmm. right? So I know there was a there was a word a couple of years ago, like my word of the year was like surrender. like when things felt really, really hectic, like very, very chaotic, very, very overwhelming, I go, surrender. <laughs> Yes. You know. Yeah. So even the like the question that you asked of like you know is it good or bad? And I was like, honestly, it is what it is. Yeah. I just accept like I accept the moment and I go, okay, cool. Like this is what it is right now. What do I want to keep with me and what do I want to let go? Right? Or like, hey, this is where I'm at today. I want to get to this next level. What's required of me to get to that next level?
0: Absolutely. I'm going to give you a partial sentence and I'd like you to fill in the blank. Okay. Okay, it's a three-word sentence. I'm going to give you two words, and I want you to give me the third as okay. quickly as you can. You ready? Okay. I am. I like knew you were going to say I am too.
1: <laughs> like knew it. I knew it. And I was, okay, I am. Can I say an A? Like I was like a conqueror. That's okay. yes. Uh, and yeah, I got a whole story for that. I asked my mom. I'm like, yeah. I, well, I have a coach like through Better up and like, there are these exercises that you can do. And so one of the exercises that I got asked was like, hey, like, ask somebody who's close to you, like, one word, like, what's one word to describe you. And so I asked my mom, my mom came over, and she had like, written down on a note card. And it was a conqueror. Like, she's like, conqueror. She's like, that's what you are. So yeah, for me, because yeah, there's so many things I go like, I'm enough, I'm powerful. I'm capable, I'm resilient. And so for me, I don't know, I just like imagine myself like a sword in one hand on top of a mountain, like I did this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. So women in sales, and I can speak about women in sales because that's what I deal with all day long. We have, and I'll say we, because I fall prey to this as well, the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. When your imposter syndrome shows up, Where does she show up more often, most often?
1: Ooh, so I did this inner saboteur quiz, right? So there's like a, there's like nine predominant inner enemies, right? Versus an inner coach or inner critic. And so my top two were high achiever and restless. So When I'm in a position of maybe I don't know how to do something or I'm not well resourced or I feel like I don't fit in, then I go to like the extreme of like, I have to work super duper hard, you know, like I have to be this super high achiever, like that's just going to come naturally to me. I think there's this restless piece of I never like, like, like I told the story about with my dad, right? Be like, I am enough like I have to get to that belief set. And that's, that might be something that might be energy. Like that might just be like an energetic signature that's kind of lingers around. I'm always going to be working on that. But this restlessness shows up when I'm like, all right, like I have not achieved my goals. I didn't hit quota. Not everybody on my team's at a hundred percent or whatever else it is. If I'm feeling like I'm falling behind. Then I just go, I just work like a, like a mad woman. That's what happens. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead every single manager and calls to listen to <laughs> like, like you're gonna like I was like I'm we're gonna work really really hard. So that's typically that's typically how it shows up. Sometimes I'm like, it is so unne- it's so unnecessary for me to be at like 400 percent of the expectations that I need to have. So that's balance.
0: It is balance, and it's a lot easier to talk about it than it is to do it, because like you, I share that almost insatiable need to always do better, especially when that inner critic says, you know what, you're not doing enough. And I say, well, I'm going to show you. And I go out and go, 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 go. And then you think, okay, well, when is enough enough? And I would
1: imagine, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I feel like I also, like, growing up, as a Black lady, right? There's that, you have to work three times harder. So I'm I'm also, like, trying to, I'm like, you know, like, I'm just, like, unstitching that. Like, one seam seam of why? Like, so there are those times where I have to I find myself racing. And I also have a few years ago, I mean, I, I did suffer like a work related stress related breakdown that like took me out of work for a year and a half cost like I was like, Alright, cool. Like, it's not great to be out of work for a year and a half. So there are those moments where I have to go after like I'm like, breathe, right? <laughs> like, breathe, what's going on. And like, whatever pops up for me, whatever thoughts, like, I don't judge them it's like, all right, if it's like, hey, like, I have to listen to 20 more gong calls. Why? Like, why? Like, why do I feel this way? Like, what's going on? What's really like at the bottom of it? And if it's like, oh, hey, well, you know, like, I, I have to be I have to be the top of the board. I'm like, do I want to be that? Or am I just trying to impress somebody else for the sake of them being like, impressed? Well, I'm not feeling great about it. Like, if it's one thing, it's like, hey, like, if this is an alignment, and it's it's harmonious with who I am as a person, great. Cause then it doesn't really feel like work all the way. But if it's just a matter of like, Hey, I'm just trying to manage perceptions. That to me is where it gets a little bit more stressful.
0: I get that. Do you ever feel that? And I've heard this so many times that as a salesperson, you are on the majority of time.
1: Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. I, whether it's good, I said that again, like whether it's good or bad, or I was having a conversation with one of my reps who's, brand new to sales. This is the first time being in a sales role. And, and this person was like, Hey, GB, you know, what about like, she's like, how am I supposed to get my work done in eight hours? And it's, it had been pretty challenging where we had introduced a bunch of new changes without really, I think, understanding the amount of work that people were doing. So if we're saying, Hey, like now we're, here are these new changes in these new projects and people are already like spinning their wheels. So like, wait a minute, how, how am I supposed to fit this into my day? And so I remember having a conversation with this person and I was like, you know, honestly, like my belief, at least what I've observed is this is not an eight hour a day job. Like I was like, I, I was like, even when I was like, even if I was hitting like 150, 200% of my quota, right? I'm like, I was working 10 hours at least. And if I was under that, I was working way more, <laughs> right? So whether like if that's in between, cause I'm like, hey, like I have my eight hours a day of pipeline generating time revenue-generating time, and I have to prepare myself to be really successful during those eight hours. So then Mm -hmm. my day, yeah, that's where my 10 hours a day comes from. And if I'm going to invest into personal development, professional development, then it's a little bit more. So one part of me is like, do I really have to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I I have yet to figure out a way how to work less without, yeah, with like, while also being at a company like, let's say Gong, has some really high expectations, but... I haven't figured it out yet.
0: When you do, let me know. (laughs) That is the eternal question. It's like, how do we fit it all in? Because even if you were to say 10 hours a day is enough, I think as high achievers, our mind says, what can I do more efficiently, more effectively, more, more, more. So when you get home at night, I know you talked about professional development. We'll get to that in a moment. How do you unwind?
1: Oh, how do I unwind? I haven't unwinded properly in a while. That's the first there's the, there's the first part of things, but I think like my routine to unwind actually starts at the beginning of the day. So, and what I mean, what I mean by this what it looks like is like all right, I'm going to go wake up in the morning. I I have my routine, like I'll, you know, go wash my face, brush my teeth. I have a 1-year-old mini dachshund named Luna. And we'll go walk, like we'll drive over to the lake. That's not too far away from where I live. And we'll just walk around for a couple hours or not a couple hours, a couple times. So it's probably like a, an hour walk type of thing. Or I get up in the morning and I go for a run. So like that to me kind of like starts the day, it launches the day. And I also think about like, all right, I want to be able to do this tomorrow. And I want to feel really good about that. So when it, when I hit the end of my day, if I'm working until eleven o'clock at night, midnight, I'm not going to be able to like, I'm not going to have that same energy level to go out for a walk to go for a run. And those are the things that I feel like are actually contributing a lot to me feeling good during the day, me feeling Mm -hmm. energized during the day. So I really do think about like, how do I want to feel? Right? Like, when did I feel my best today? I felt really good waking up at a decent hour, going through my routine, not feeling rushed, like having an opportunity to stop off at the local coffee shop right say hello to all the people that I always say hi to and then come in get ready like and I and I start my day so for me it's much more like I'll end my day and I just think about okay like what do I want to accomplish tomorrow how do I want to feel tomorrow and like one big piece of that is like all right that means that I'm not going to listen to calls until midnight one o'clock in the morning (laughs) more recently it's more like all right hey I'm going to close my computer out maybe I go for like I'll walk my dog right I'll brush my teeth I'll do all the things that I was doing in the morning I'll watch my one like show dynasty which is now my guilty pleasure I'll watch one episode and then I'll fall asleep right like and then and then I repeat in the morning so like that to me has been one effort to try and like wind down and have a purpose for winding down as well
0: yes that's excellent that is excellent because i think if when we begin to begin with the end in mind we can reverse engineer it and say if i want to feel this way these are the steps that i need to take to do that rather yep. than being reactionary saying you know well the end of the day is here and i feel like crap tomorrow's just going to be another day Yeah,
1: Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'll I'll have my I started listening to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast, like as I'm going out on these walks. So there are it's, it's like, more than anything else, I think it's finding whether it's Yeah, whether it's going for a walk, going for a run, like hanging out with my dog, if it's listening to a podcast, and what I really appreciate about the Dare to Lead podcast is a lot of the things that I was experiencing at work, they're talking about. So I'm like, Oh, wow, like now I have a language. Now I have awareness, like, actually, like, (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this doesn't all fall on me. This is just kind of a natural cycle of the business. So let me stop killing myself. It's a natural cycle of the business. So, like, let me get into my natural cycle.
0: I'll be better for yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, we both b- believe in professional development. I see the stack of books behind you. Oh, yeah. What book have you read recently that if you could buy a copy for everyone on your team, you would buy?
1: Ooh. So, who moved my cheese? Tell me why it's a book about, so, okay. So there's a whole story. There's context behind uh, when I first gone to sales, I had a mentor. It's so a family, like he's part of the family. It's like my mom's first cousin's husband. Right. And he was working, he worked at Deloitte. Or he's he's still at Deloitte, but he would actually do all their trainings for their new business development executives, and so he was like he worked two buildings down the street from me, and I was like Derek, you gotta help me. And so one of the books that he really recommended to me was Who Moved Who Moved the Cheese or Who Moved My Cheese. I didn't read so this is six years ago he recommended it to me. I didn't read it until like the beginning of this year. It's about seventy five pages, one hour long reading time, and it is like a fable about the responses to change and so like one of the big and i think like why that's important is the more i've been in the sales game especially tech sales the more i recognize the only constant is change so like so for me I'm like all right hey like you have what these four characters and there's a way that they respond to change. There's one that's gonna like sniff after change, right? There's one that's like, they're always trying to smell it. There's always one who's like scurrying off to change. They're racing towards the change. You've got one person who like is absolutely completely resistant to change. It pretty much like dies, right? Like it becomes irrelevant completely. And you got the one person who like <laughs> the most human response, which is, all right, I'm kind of going to go through my grieving process, but I recognize at the end, like once I actually accept the change, I have the ability to create this new life. And so there's yeah, so like this, I, I've learned this lesson more so in the the personal like experiences that I've had, especially as I talked about like I had this breakdown, and for me, I had to really like go through a whole process of grieving and recognize as soon as I start to accept like what happened, like, and accept that like the things that caused that reality for me. And I, and again, I asked myself the question, what's required of me next. That's the sooner I got back to this new life, like, or I could create a new life. I could have more agency and autonomy in my life. I could feel that much more powerful in my own being. I can be a self-possessed human being. So like, I feel like with the who moved my cheese, it's a perfect it's kind of like a parable or analogy or of this, which is like, Change is hard. And if we embrace it, we can find something that much better than what we knew previously.
0: I love that book. I love that book. And you're right that the only constant is change. And anytime you have a company that doesn't print their employee manual because it's on share drive, because there are so many updates, it doesn't make sense to print it. Then you know what change truly is. Every day is something different. That's exciting. And it comes with its opportunities and challenges. And uh, I love those environments. I love yes. those
1: environments. Yeah. No, I, at yes. least I'm a weirdo, but not like, but I say it, I say it in a nice way. Like I say, it, in, I recognize that like those kind of places are not for everyone. I even think about like mm-hmm. the that you asked of, all right, Hey, like, oh, having to be always on in sales. I don't think that everybody's meant to be always on. I don't know, like there's things that have happened in my life that like, all right, like the the need to achieve, like the sort of restlessness, like I'm like, all right, if I'm aware of it, I can know how to channel it that much better, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not possessed by it. But like, those are things that I have within my quiver that I can like, you know, like I can access at any one point in time. But if there is that, but I do see people come through and they're like, all right, hey, I want everything to be certain. I want everything to be stable. And I'm like, bro we're trying to IPO. <laughs> like, <Yikes. laughs> like, they're like, well, why, why is everything not consistent? i I'm like, it's not built to be consistent. It's built
0: to change. Exactly. The best organizations I believe are able to pivot. They have the foresight to say, you know what? Some companies say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. But then some companies say like Kaizen um, from the Japanese, if it's not perfect, keep working. Yeah. I think a lot of women that I come in contact believe in the latter. If we're not getting to our level of perfect, whatever that is, let's keep working. Always continuous improvement.
1: Yeah. And to the self development piece as well, I've had to like kind of like let go of like perfect from my vernacular. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's like, it's like very like, you know, progress over perfection. But the way I think about this is the pursuit of mastery. I had a conversation with someone months ago and it prompted me to go look up more about the concept of ambition and so there's two pieces of this there is like the first piece which is there is that drive towards mastery like i want to get way better at what i'm doing and like whatever project whatever else it is like i want to get really really good at it there's a second part which is like all right? Having to be in an environment that recognizes that pursuit of mastery as well. So like, I, I think there, there is like, there's something that's super important about, all right, hey, well, there's like a woman in sales, like, hey, listen, if that's my mindset, I also have to be in an environment that's going to recognize that as well. Should open a whole, whole can of worms. <laughs> that's, yes. Inclusion and things like that. But like, I, I realized for myself, I was like, I'm just freaking ambitious, like, period. Can't help it. It's there.
0: It It is what it is. It Everything. is what it is. Yes, and I think that when we're in an environment that recognizes that ambition as well as gives you the tools and support to help you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve, that's like nirvana
1: yes i think cause I think about the best experiences that I've had in the workplace was my first sales job i came in there and told my boss i was like bro i want to be the best like give me the best territory i was like i'm gonna work super hard like, well i didn't just go in there and say like give me the best territory that didn't happen i like you know, over, like I was like, it wasn't even just a matter of being the best. I'm like, I want to get better. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. I would be the first one to volunteer to role play. I'd be the first one to volunteer to ask a question. As I would go, right. I remember, like, I actually have my notebook from when I first started in sales. I would take copious notes. Like, I would try and refine every little thing. Like, I, it wasn't even a matter of I want to be perfect, but I was like, I just want to get so much better. Again, zero doubts right I want to get so much better I want to get so much more effective and I also I had this boss who recognized that and he goes and I remember he he came to me one day and he goes listen you are doing really really good and he's like what's going to unlock a lot of opportunities for you is is when you figure out how to operationalize your own success right so he's like don't just get better at like being an individual contributor like find a way to help people get as good as you are, <laughs> right? Like if you can operationalize how you become successful, you're going to have so many more opportunities. So I even think about, like I, that is a thing that drives me is like, it's not enough just for me to be really good at my job. I have to find out a way to make success that much more accessible. And if I can do that, Gonna be sick, yes,
0: yeah, (laughs) yeah. That was the premise behind why I created NAWSP because after a whole career of being in the top one percent, I sat down one day and I said, After all is said and done, the true test of whether or not I am a success in life is not going to be measured by how well I do, I believe it will be measured by how many others I help do well. So, you're speaking to the choir on that one. We, as women who are leading owe it to others to, as your manager put it, operationalize yourself.
1: Yes. I think there's this piece here. Cause like, and I'm, I'm going to give people a why right behind that. Cause I think there are, there are times where people go um, like, okay, I, I've had conversations. If I'm talking to somebody who is a leader, who also comes from a demographic that's typ- like typically overlooked, right? These underrepresented minorities. And there's these times where people go like, all right, Hey, like, I want to be really good at my job, but I also feel like I'm carrying this weight. Like I have to be representative. I have to, whatever else. So like, I understand that lens and I've definitely felt as though like, Oh, wait, I have this pressure to fill in the blank. I was like, all right, Hey, like I feel pressure when I'm looking at things that way, but like, what can help me? Like, what is going to help me be able to carry out that like I have a vision but what's, what's going to be the thought process, the belief set that's going to get me there? And what I tell people now, I go, actually, the best way that I learn is through teaching. So I was like, if I'm constantly trying to figure out a way, I'm just constantly trying to learn. I'm motivated by learning. So like, if I'm constantly learning how to do something, and my best way for me to learn is through teaching someone, then like, just by virtue of everything, I'm like, I'm going to get like, me getting better, and me sharing are one and the same. It happens all at once. So for me, like that has been super motivating. So I'm like, right, I want to go learn all these things, but I also want to be confident about it as well. It's typically mm-hmm. where I've, I've had more more of a challenge. I'm learning new things. And it's not until I like say it back once, twice, three times, three different audiences that I go, oh, I got this.
0: So talk to me about your ambition and what's next for you.
1: Ooh, Cynthia, my ambition you know, so when I first got into sales, I had this vision. It was like actually had the vision, and the vision was, like, go to sales. So the vision was I'm going to be a CEO of somebody's company, either one that I created myself or I'm going to inherit somebody else's. And I go, like, where do CEOs start their career? And so the one that stuck out to me was sales. So that's yeah. what brought me through. And right now... I, I don't. I don't have anything specific, right? I still feel like I have that vision, but I'm very much right now like in a, in a learning mode. Like I'm at Gong, we are growing like wildfire. <laughs> there are just so many experiences that I would never ever had, and like, that I would never ever have unless I was at this high growth pre-IPO tech darling startup company. Right. So I'm, I'm very much like, let me just take notes and things that I'm going to answer your question by thinking this out loud. Now, the things that I think about now is, all right, like sales development management, I've learned more in the past three or four months than I have in the past three or four years as an SDR manager. And a lot of this that I'm learning is coming from like, it's just in people's heads. There's not a lot documented about how to be a really solid sales development manager or how to run a really solid sales development team. There's a lot of stuff that's about like the operations of it all, but true management, like change management, the people management parts of things. So understanding the data, really being able to dig into that, the coaching analysis, all of it. So things that I think about are like, woo, like I'm learning so much. And at some point in time, I'm gonna bottle all this up, distill it down, publish out a book. So who knows? Like after that, that might be the consulting firm. I might be a speaker. Who knows? Like but like for me, I'm like, all right, hey, listen, like let me learn as much as possible. Cause if I do that, I'm gonna have so many opportunities. Like at some point in time the vision will kind of coalesce into something tangible. And I go, yes. So like that's that's like long term, I think, for me. I think the other thing that I'm really ambitious about right now, or it's really excited about, is the women in sales club with with Alexine. That to me has been We've been doing this for, what, five months, I want to say. And it was funny, like, we were just chit-chatting one day because she was having technical difficulties on Clubhouse, and I, like, couldn't figure out how to open up a club, and it worked for her. She's like, well, let's do this club together, you know? So what what I really – and I think about the things that are ambitious in, in this regard is really having, like, a partner in crime, like, a friend, a partner, and, in, in, like, a business partner in this sense – like that to me is really, really cool with alexine I always have an opportunity to learn from her. we have community as well, right like i'm I've been so used to like right I have the things that I have to do I have to focus on my team I focus on my work and there's never really a conversation or there hasn't been a lot of thoughtfulness or intentions around hey like what like what is a community in like informed by like what I would want a community to have like what would that actually look like so like that to me is really cool. And there's also the options of who knows like where we'll go. Like one of the things we're talking about now is like potential sponsorships. There's not a lot of details around that, but like, all right, how can we're, we're in clubhouse. We've got an engaged community there. We've got a following of over like 3000 on clubhouse. We just started a LinkedIn page, have almost a thousand followers there in such a short amount of time. It's like we, yeah, like for us, it's more like, Hey, like who do we want to be in this situation? As women, like, yes, we want to talk about things that are conceptual, but we also are like, yo, we're badass salespeople too, who like, have like really solid tactics that we can share out. So like, how do we, how do we not balance it out, but like, how can we accomplish things that maybe we haven't quite seen be done yet by two women in sales? So that is, so yeah, we don't have a lot of visions, we don't have like a a specific thing just yet, but we're like, let's, yeah, let's be ambitious. Let's have fun. Like, let's be more than we can imagine ourselves.
0: Absolutely. That's how it starts. So as you look back over your career, and I won't use the word mistake, but what is something that you, a situation that you wish you would handle differently? Ooh,
1: Ooh. you're asking the hard hidden questions. I, there is one. Yeah. I would be lying if I didn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't share this experience. I had an experience where I was at a company and I was experiencing quite a bit of, like, harassment and discrimination. Like, choose which, whichever demographic woman, what, like, Black. I was 26 at the time. I was one of the youngest leaders. or No, I was the youngest leader, youngest person at the company as well. So there was just so many times where I feel like I was, you know, miscredited, misrepresented, talked to all types of crazy, treated. Like, people had... I mean, there was... Yeah, there was just a lot. There was a lot that was there that I... At I'm 30 now, like, I wish I can go back in time to my 26 year old self and go, what they're doing is not okay. This is not at all a reflection on you. And you always have a choice in the matter. Like, just because these people make you feel as though you don't have a choice doesn't mean that you don't have a choice in the matter. So like, hey, if your boss has his hand on your leg, you have the opportunity, you have the choice to get up. You don't even have to say anything. Just be like, your hand was on my leg. I am your employee. Walk me through how this looks good on you and walk away, (laughs) you know, like I got, or, or if like you have a, who I have an executive at the company's cracking black jokes, you know, like, Hey, help me understand. What about this is funny? You know? So I think there was just, I also, at that time, I didn't have a lot of mentors who like would be in that exact same position that I was. Right. I feel like Cynthia, like you and maybe two other women that I've met, like only like black women sales leaders that I really know of so for me I think I'm like I wish that I had had a really solid kind of personal board of directors that I can lean on and have a sounding board like I wish I would have asked for help sooner I wish that I would have known my rights as an employee sooner right (laughs) like I was like like that like those are the things that I, I wish I think like really could have benefited me at that time right and so but that being said I know a lot more now.
0: It's challenging to go through those situations where you don't have someone else to say, hey, this made me feel creepy. What should I do? What should I say? I think it's important though, that as we ascend the ladder, whatever ladder that is, as we rise up, we've got to remember to reach back. One does not work without the other. So when women come to me, especially black women come to me and say, I've never met a, an influential black woman in sales. Will you mentor me? I don't care how full my calendar is. I can spare an hour
1: yes. a week,
0: once a month, always, always. Yep. We, all, I mean, I don't care if I have to get up an hour early or go to bed an hour late. It's too important because somebody asked me one time, They said, Cynthia, if you are not changing lives, what are you doing on this earth? Yeah. Yeah. So it's important for us. It's crucial for us to rise up and reach back. That's the only way this works. So I love that you you alluded to that.
1: Yeah. No, I appreciate yeah. I got the like I got goosebumps all over as you were sharing that. I'm feeling like yeah, I feel like definitely I feel like not it's not like sad tears, but very much just like, wow, I, I, I feel understood and seen. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. There have been times where, yeah, people reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll even be, sele- I'll, I'll say this out loud, I'll be selective with who I kind of offer up my time to. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. is this, it's, and so, you know, there's a, there's a piece there, but it's, you know, more often than not, if it's somebody in, of color person and they're telling me their story. And I was like, I feel as though I can help you out the most actually, you know, Yeah. but yeah. I'll, I'll like, there's a perspective that I can share with you or even you know, even for folks on my team, like you don't have to be black, you don't have to be a woman necessarily, but maybe somebody who maybe has a similar history, like based off their childhood, right? <laughs> you know, like, and they are right. things. So like, there are so many different ways of that you can resonate with someone. And I think, all right, hey, if, if there are experiences, like if, if my past is their future, right, it means actually I have a story. I remember I was having a really, really hard time. This is right before I got back into sales or right before I got into sales. I had left my abusive ex-husband, came back, I moved to the U.S. because I was living in Paris at the time, had no monies. <laughs> like I was living in my uncle's basement on an air mattress. And so I was, I was having to go with life. Remember, I would call my grandma pretty much every day. And my grandma would just say these things to me and it just hit me. And I was like, I just, go, you know, grandma, how do you, how do you know exactly what to say? And she's, and so she just said, she's like, you know what, Gabrielle, there will come a time where you'll have the words that'll help somebody else heal. And it is your responsibility to share with them the words. Like, much in the same way that I'm sharing words with you that are helping you navigate the situation, that are helping you heal. Like, that is an experience that you like, that's a power that you now have that you can help with other like you can you can now share with other folks. So I think there is this piece of like we almost have to like recognize our own magic, our own power, our own medicine. Yes. And, get, and you know and give it out to other people. Just keep it going. Don't yes. hold it in. Yes.
0: Exactly. A closed fist can't receive. So all of the talents, skills, abilities, experiences, love, disappointments, yeah, all of that. If we hold on to that and we're too afraid to give a blessing to someone else, that closed fist can't receive. So you find your tribe of people who are willing to let you share, knowing that it'll come back to you tenfold. That's how this works.
1: Oh, so good. There's there's one more phrase. So I'm really into like divination. I read tarot cards. And so there's this book that I was studying while I was like trying to learn how to do tarot cards. And I can't remember which card it was, but there was like a, a meditation, right? For this one card that I was reading. And it goes, the gift of patience is patience, <laughs> right? And I was like, at first, so yeah, anytime, as I mentioned, like there was the word surrender for me, but there's times where I'm like, oh man, I just don't understand. Or why doesn't somebody see things the way that I do? And I go, listen, GB, like the gift of patience is patience. And so like, you can shoot, like you can replace that word patience with anything else. Like, the gift of compassion is compassion. Passion. If I'm compassionate yeah. with somebody, they're they might be compa- or they don't even have to be compassionate to me. The next person that I meet might be compassionate to me. Right. Absolutely. So, like yeah. if I am like the gift of investment is investment. If I'm invested in somebody sincerely and genuinely, like with some of the folks on my like not some, but with the folks on my team and the folks who have been on my team in the past and who are no longer on my team, I go, I'm personally invested. Somebody else did it for me, right? And like somebody will continue to do that for me. So yes. like it's really it's like it's in my it's in my own benefit. It's for my own mm-hmm. faith to show up in that way. Truly believing that that will show up some like somewhere. It could be years, decades, however long from now, but like that will continue to show up for me as well.
0: It always does what we put out there, and whether it's hopes and dreams or goodness or love, it comes back. And when you put your desires and hopes out in there, in the universe, the universe conspires to help you get what you want, right?
1: I see you you over here reading the alchemist. We know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) These are life lessons that I have learned the hard way. And yeah, I feel like I'm talking to an old soul with you.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, Cynthia, we're going to be friends now. We're friends now. We so. are.
0: We are friends now. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to be, I, I, I could talk to you forever, but I have one last question for you. If somebody were to ask you at the end of your time here in the present realm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what made you unstoppable? What would you say?
1: Oh, a deep seated belief in myself so time out there's I'm reading this book called never hire a bad salesperson again. Right. And it, it talks about like what are the characteristics and there's a main characteristic, which is drive drives influenced by these three factors, three traits, the need to achieve competitiveness, optimism. Anytime. So like when I say this deep seated belief in myself, I'm talking about optimism. I I'm optimistic about my future. I believe in my ability to figure things out just because I haven't gotten there. Doesn't mean that I can't get there. I really do believe in my ability to like to get to where I want to go because I believe I have all of the equipment, all the tooling, like required and necessary, all the know-how to navigate. It might not be linear, but I'll get there. <laughs> so like for me, it's like, hey, like what is the one thing and I say this deep-seated belief in myself. I'll say as I'm optimistic not like crazy up not like, you know, like, oh, everything's going to be great. But like, no, I can figure this out. If I put if I put forth the effort. If I commit myself to it, if I'm dedicated, I continue to be driven, I will get there. So I'm going to say optimistic.
0: I love that word. It's not rose-colored glasses. It's I am equipped with everything I need. And I have a belief in myself to achieve whatever it is that I want to achieve. And that right there is unstoppable. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you, find you someplace to hear more of all of your words of wisdom. Where can they do so?
1: Yeah, I am only on LinkedIn. (laughs) So for the most part, well, no, I shouldn't say only. So I'm on LinkedIn. Gabrielle quotes GB Blackwell. Also, you can also tune into the Women in Sales Clubhouse. So it's on Clubhouse every Saturday, 2 p.m. Central, alongside my co-host, co-founder, and great friend, Alexine Ludoire. So that's really the two, two main places you'll find me.
0: Fabulous. Well, I am so grateful for your time and your energy and for pouring into our listeners. Thank you for joining me today on Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. I will talk with you soon.